Hi, I'm Ken. This is Arbitrarily Deterministic, the show where we speak to the people who are blurring the lines between art, technology, and popular culture. This episode, I have a co-host, Paul, and we are speaking to Danielle King, CFO, COO of Club NFT, and right-click save. Unfortunately, the beginning of this episode had a technical difficulty, and the beginning was cut off. So we're going to join this episode with Danielle explaining to us how she got where she is and whatnot. As always, we speak about NFTs in this show. NFTs are by nature financialized products. Everything we say is merely for entertainment purposes. Please do not consider any of this financial advice. Without further ado, we join the episode in progress thing and uh, you know to do when I was in my 20s and had a lot of energy <laughs> for like late nights out and things like that um, and from PS1 I, I left after a few years to go to business school and get my MBA in addition to loving art and being an art nerd I'm also a math nerd and I kind of saw an opportunity in for in the art world for folks who have some sort of you know um, financial um, literacy to sort of help. Um, PS1 was an amazing place, but they, they definitely lacked a lot of um, structure and sort of financial planning, which MoMA coming in, um, you know, kind of helped solve that for them. But at the time I was there, it was very freewheeling. So anyway, I got my MBA. And while I was there, you do your internship um, in the summer between your first and second year. And I thought, well, what is the hardest thing I could do the most different from, you know, anything I've done? And I thought, working on Wall Street as an investment banker. Like, that was crazy. <laughs> That's pretty tough. <laughs> so pretty big um, job. I applied a bunch of banks and miraculously got offers. Um, and at the time, one of the most prestigious ones to work for was Lehman Brothers. So um, they gave me an offer. I accepted. I went and I worked there that summer in their healthcare group. Um, and they gave me an offer to come back full time when I graduated. And, you know, having MBA loan debt, I thought, okay, It'll be a good experience. I'll learn a lot. I'll pay down some of my debt. I'll do it. So I joined Lehman in 2007. <laughs> you can see where this perfect. is going. Perfect um, timing. Yeah. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. It couldn't have been better. So uh, in 2008, the financial markets imploded, largely due to Lehman Brothers, yeah. uh, where I work. So you might have seen me on the news at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Packing your bags and walking out. Carrying yeah. out the boxes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Funnily enough, I actually kept my job. My group was kept. So in the end, we were sort of rescued uh, slash bought by Barclays Capital, a British oh, bank. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. my group was fully uh, basically kept except for some cherry picked layoffs. Um, so like I just kept going into my same office. And one day, like my B Lehman Brothers mouse pad would have been switched out with a Barclays Capital mouse pad. And I had new business cards on my desk and the signs like the neon signs on the front of the building just changed to Barclays. It was just like overnight, it just changed. That's so um, it was a real weird time, uh, I have to say, but you know, interesting. Uh, someday if I ever write my memoir, like I'll have lots to say about it. But um, yeah, so I did that for another year or two, all the while trying to get out and get back to the art world. And uh, eventually I found this job at MoMA and I, I broke free of my golden handcuffs on Wall Street and I took it. Um, and I, I was basically working with the chief curator of the painting and sculpture department, Ann Tempkin, who is a brilliant, amazing woman. Um, 
And the way that I described that job was I handled everything that wasn't curating. So I handled our finances. I handled the acquisitions process with our board. I handled hiring, um, wow. just That's cool. logistics, everything. Yeah. So That's it was a, a great job role. and I did it for eight years and I loved it. And I love the people and I love that institution. Yeah. But after a while, it was sort of like, okay, well, I've done this for a long time. There was really kind of nowhere for me to go upwards. You know, I wasn't going to be Anne. <laughs> I, I don't have a PhD in art history. Yeah. Um, nor was I going to get one. So then I sort of got recruited away to run a gallery in Chelsea, um, to help run a gallery in Chelsea as sort of CFO uh, there. And I did that for about a year when the pandemic hit. Um, and I had been living in New York City, you know, for almost 20 years. Uh, I have two small kids. We were in a tiny apartment in Brooklyn. Anyone who has small kids and lived through the pandemic with them in a small space understands how like miserable that, oh, that is. So we decided to move. And so we left and we moved to Western Massachusetts. Um, Western Massachusetts. You know, right yeah, so the Berkshires. It's very ah, lovely oops. here. Um, gotcha. Here in the and Berkshires. yeah, that's where I am now. And uh -huh. that and that is sort of also what took me to Club NFT and RCS, which is a uh, whole separate story. But that was that was a lot of talking by me. So I'm going to breathe. No, where's the, yeah, exactly. Where's the what's the largest big city near you? Well, well, there's a city called Pittsfield, but I wouldn't call that like a real city. No, that's not a real city. <laughs> largest, a city that I yeah, know. The largest yeah, the largest city, like, um, you know, if I wanted to fly somewhere, uh, we would go to Albany. That's kind of the largest uh, city because so Boston is ac actually further away from where I am. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so yeah we're super far west, like almost in New York. Uh-huh. So for those of you listening on the podcast, we had a little bit of a technical problem in the beginning of this. <laughs> has been cut. So unfortunate. Your fantastic uh, answer to my question, Danielle. Um, yeah. got cut off. Um, oh, no. Yeah, well, it, it happens. So these things, are, these, this, this, is, this is the thing about being on live radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the live radio part works, but the podcast people are going to miss the other bit. So in any case. Um, that's all right. But it, that's, a, that's fantastic. So you went from, you went from PS1 to, to Lehman Brothers to Barclays <laughs> um, to, <laughs> to, MoMA. to MoMA. And then after MoMA, you moved out to, you just quit your job one day and you just moved out to Western Mass? Yep. So what did yep. you do? You just go yep. in and just said, hey, I'm done? Um, yeah, well, I mean, it was a little bit, I had sort of, you know, um, wanted to leave the job for various reasons. And um, when the pandemic hit and we all went to working remotely, um, the owner of the gallery wanted us to all go back in person as soon as it was legally like possible. And because uh -huh. galleries kind of are considered quote retail, yeah, um, that was going to be on the very early side. It was like, you know, spring or something or like late spring, I think was when folks went back and I have small kids and I would be commuting from Brooklyn to Chelsea on the subway. And I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I was lucky that, you know, my husband, um, given how much cheaper the cost of living is here in Western Mass, you know, we figured out that we could probably survive on my husband's income for a bit. Um, so we moved here. Mm -hmm. I was home, like basically homeschooling the kids for a while because they didn't have in-person school. And um, sometime during that is when I got connected with Jason, aka Art Gnome, about possibly mm -hmm. working with him on this company he was starting. Um, how did that so, happen? Yeah, I wasn't unemployed for too long, but uh, how did that come about? Well, uh, um, so 
his co-founder, uh, the CTO, Chris King, is my brother. So oh, no. <laughs> nepotism. Yeah, it's a little Got it. Nepotism. Okay. For sure. <laughs> for sure. It's, we're very public about it. Also, uh, uh, Jason's brother, Matt, works with us. So oh, it's cool. like no. a little bit of a family company. <laughs> so it's super nepotistic. Okay. Is that, yeah. is that even a word, nepotistic? <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not the person to ask yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> For me, it makes sense, but. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, then it's a word. That's fine. You know, I've been living over here for so long, my vocabulary is all goofy anyway, so it doesn't matter. I mean, my vocabulary is like largely due to anything online. So yeah, exactly. That's a goofy vocabulary as well. GM, GM. <laughs> GM. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I, I sometimes almost like text GM to people who aren't in this Web3 world, and then I have to remind myself they, like, they don't know what that means. I've done it. Um, I've done it, and I've gotten a response back. And uh, about the response back is like, Dude, so what, we just don't say good morning? I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> this is too long? I mean, come on, it's two words. No, but like uh, in Germany, like people, people that are older, like they, they use the same weird abbreviations, just like in German. Oh, but funny. yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super fun. Like texting with my parents and shit. Uh -huh. Sometimes they use this. So <laughs> They're That's on the really cutting cool. edge, the older Germans. Uh -huh. They know what's up. <laughs> I mean, I gifted them. I gifted them an NFT like for Christmas, so they are oh. cutting edge. Was it a dick generative? No, it uh. was a contra. What? Oh. Awesome. That's yeah. a hell of a I mean, wow. to, together with my sisters, I, I can't take the credit on my, but I mean, I'm into it. Do they know it, how lucky yeah, they are? That's incredible. Nice. Yeah. That's so nice. I mean, it's hanging in the living room, so at least they oh. appreciate it. Wow. So you got it printed. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah to totally printed out and like everything, like large scale, like one meter by one meter. Where'd you get it printed? Um, I think product placement. It's, it? it's called Wonderwall. It was good. It was, yeah. It's good. I sent you the link afterwards. Okay, I'm excited because you know Adam's sending me. Um, ah, you're the one testing it out. I'm the ah. one testing out the new the international oh, cool. shipping for this Tinder I'll thing. Have to it's take a cool. picture and send it to me. Not that that will really convey, but it won't. It probably won't. <laughs> I I got you know like I said before I did a I, I got a bad I got a one bad print made of a, of an NFT and I have kind of gone away from it. Um, from yeah, for I now haven't until I can find a good one. Of that, but I think maybe with the new printing service, I'm gonna uh, give it a shot. It's right so close to you notes. too, so it's not that yeah. big of a deal for us. It's kind of oh. a it's kind of an ecologically weird thing to be shipping right. from the United States over here. Right. True. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could even like pick it up in New York City. You know, like it's not far. So. Yeah. Um, Is it yeah. in New York? Oh. The printing house. I, isn't it? Or maybe I'm maybe know. I'm just thinking that because that's where. Adam's not there either. He's not there either. He's up. He's further away from New York. So I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't have to tell us whenever we're listening. Whenever it's somewhere in the states, that's for sure. It's but, somewhere in the um, states, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These fifty states. Um. So yeah. So Club NFT. I got involved because my brother. Uh, mm -hmm. He knew that I wasn't, you know, working and that I, you know, wanted to be. Uh, <laughs> I'm not like really cut out to be a full time stay at home parent in terms of my my patience level and stuff. So. Um, he said, you know, we really need someone who's organized and good with numbers and, you know, all these different things that he and Art Gnome are not. And he said, and the first person I thought it was you. And I was sort of like, well, A, I'd be working with my brother. That could be wonderful or terrible. And B, like, eh, NFTs, aren't they just like pictures of like monkeys and like, you know, yes. with, you know, I, I, I thought of PFP, like I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really have like art NFTs as a concept in my brain yet because coming from 
you know, Chelsea galleries, like that just wasn't on their radar. Um, right at that point and maybe still not for the most part. But um, I started talking with Jason and he started sort of explaining what NFTs were, what the blockchain was. There was a lot of education that had to happen for me for sure. Um, and I got really into the idea and into Jason and his excitement and his, um, his passion about it. Um, and they uh, brought me on board. Um, and then, you know, in terms of my job, you know, being a CFO, COO is something that, like I have the skill set. But in terms of Web3 and like sort of the NFT art world, I had a lot to learn. And Jason said, listen, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be at this company, you have to understand like we're, we're essentially a club for collectors. So, like you need to collect and see what that experience is like and see where the pain points are and see like what's exciting and what's missing from the space. So he um, kindly gave me some Tez. He helped me set up a wallet, <laughs> which I don't think I could have done on my <laughs> um, and uh and yeah i started shopping around at that time on hen so this was like a little over a year ago yeah, or about yeah. a year ago yeah and um same time i was me. like yeah, me too. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, roughly. cool. Yeah, we all roughly. kind of started at the same time. Um, so I was just like really impressed with the quality of things I was seeing. And granted, like there's a lot you have to sift through, right? But mm -hmm. I think because I had Art Gnome as my as my guide, my shepherd, I was really lucky. He sort of was like, you know, here you could take a look at my collection. And, you know, one thing that is interesting to do is like if you see an artist or a piece that you like in my collection, see what that artist collects. Like you'll find almost all of these artists collect as well. And, you know, start doing, you know, some, some digging that way. And I just went down this total, like, you know, um, black hole of, of do of getting like, yeah. I mean that you can just spend hours, right? What um, was the first thing you bought? Um, I'm pretty sure the First thing I bought was um, Marcello Soria um, Rodriguez, his like one of his works, which uh, I'm like so proud to have. It's like I'm trying to think of. Hold on, I can pull it up on object. It's a not a one of one. Yeah, that's it's a like a one of pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and I just loved it. I just thought the work was so beautiful. I didn't know anything about him, you know, like whatsoever. <laughs> just like. Oh, this looks really beautiful and cool and I'm going to buy it. Um, and at the time, you know, the prices weren't insane. Or, I mean, not that they're insane now. Like one could say like, you know, they're just properly valued now, but um, yeah. So that was sort of my entry point. And I didn't have that much in Tez. And I, of course, quickly spent it all. Like I just was like, bye, 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 bye. Um, like and do. then once I, Oh, go ahead. I said, like you do. No, go ahead. Yeah, like you do. Oh, yeah. So this piece was called Polycircle Color Study One. And for a long time, it was like the banner on my um, my Twitter page uh, or whatever. Yeah. I now have a different one by him up there. But um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a work of just 10 editions, and it's quite lovely. So um, yeah, so I spent all my Tez on Hen. And then I just kind of was like, OK, well, that was the cool exercise. At some point, I'll try to sell something just to see what that's like. But of course, I didn't want to part with anything. So like, I just had this little collection that sat there on Hen. And then Hen like had that crazy thing where it just shut down. And um, my company actually like helped to like repinning of a lot of like everything that was on Hen while oh, these other yeah. like pseudo mm -hmm. pens were being set up or whatever. Yeah. And I think it was during that time when people, other collectors at Club NFT, you know, were talking about FX hash. And I was like, hmm, okay, I, I got to check that out. That sounds interesting. So I went 
And as soon as I minted my first thing, which I can't even remember what it was, it probably wasn't anything super special. Um, I was just hooked. Like there was so much interesting stuff there. The fun of the mint and reveal was like so addictive. The waiting. Um, the waiting. The waiting. The waiting to be signed. Yes, yes. <laughs> the waiting to be signed. That like, and you know, anticipation, that feeling. Yeah. And yeah, and so I've been basically like collecting, you know, a ton on there. I still will sometimes buy stuff on Fursum or, or Object. And I had a little eight Badoo phase when that's when that came in. Yeah, during you did. The, you were like the queen well. of that. <laughs> I just happened to like see a lot of times when artists were dropping things. I got very lucky. Um, I just happened to be on Twitter at the right moments. But yeah, so that's been kind of my my journey. I only collect in Tez um, for a number of reasons. And then once I got really into this FX hash world, I got introduced to the the Tender Collective, um, and that's been super fun. And I've been I feel really lucky uh, to you know also be a part of that. Yeah, like we all are. I mean, it's super. It's a really that's a really cool thing to be involved in. Yeah, it's fun. It is. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Got it. It's pretty. It's a pretty nice. Pretty nice thing. So, in the real world, do you have like any real, like any like, any real any, art? Yeah, like real art. You have like a. Is your house <laughs> packed with paintings? Yeah, yeah. I have a fair amount of art. Um, nothing by like big name artists. You know, sadly, when I was like in my early days in the art world, I was so you know broke because in the art world, as like a young person, or you know, even as an established person, you get paid next to nothing, particularly if you're working in like museums. So I met all these incredible artists, and like if I had even had like you know a couple hundred bucks to my name, I probably could have bought some amazing stuff. You know, I I remember back in the day, like you know, going to Kehinde Wiley's house and like he would cook dinner for us. And like, he wow. was just this like nice. coming guy. Jeez. And like, now I'm like, God damn, if I could have just bought like some early thing from Kehinde, but I did, yeah. you know, I had no money. So um, the stuff I've collected has been like mostly works on paper, um, mostly things by like, you know, very, very emerging artists. Um, yeah, I, I love having art on my walls. And um, I definitely think once I get, um, you know, my head around the printing of NFTs, uh, I will select some for my collection to have, print. Because, have you not printed uh, any? I have not printed any. No, no. I, you know, um, part of it is like, we kind of have a shortage of wall space at this point in my house. Um, okay. and so I don't want to print too much. So I have to be real selective about, about what I, what I print. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And Paul, what was your first NFT? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry for that. But it's actually like a PFP project. Star Sailor Siblings. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. What that is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, basically, I think I like I got into NFTs and like wanted to read more about them. And then I discovered uh, Zeneca, mm -hmm. and yeah. he had like a newsletter, and I just like devoured all of it. Sure. And then he had like a section: yeah. Hey, these are like upcoming drops that might might be worth it. Yeah. Um, and I was like priced out out of art blocks, so I thought, okay, if I can't buy art, then what else is there to do in the NFT world? And mm -hmm. that was basically like PFPs. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. So yeah, bought that. Thought I would become rich. Of didn't course be, did. Didn't become rich. <laughs> yeah. Then found Hen. Then found FX Hash on uh -huh. like a long train ride. Yeah. And ever since then, um, yeah, I never stopped collecting. Basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I th I think the first time the first thing I ended up buying was from Buff Monster. And it was <laughs> just a picture of a <laughs> melty ice cream mini yeah. melty. I think, Danielle, you're the first one to have like a really good first buy as an NFT yeah. that, that, that have yeah. come across. Yeah, that's a, you 
kind of got a good win there. What can I say? I think I got lucky. And also like the fact that I was eyeing Jason's, you know, collection as I was poking around, I think helped me give a, get a good, you know, um, (laughs) kickstart. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely feel lucky that I was able to get a couple of things like that. And I, I really just wish I had, you know, stuck more with it after that, because I feel like so much transpired from when I, had my first foray into hen and then kind of went dormant for a long time. You know, I missed um, the beginning of FX hash where like so many incredible grail projects, you know, um, happened. And like now I can't catch up. Um, that said, you know, we're still early and and I think I have a lot of great things that I've collected since I've been on. But yeah, I just, if I have one regret, it's that I I sort of said, okay, well, I'm done with that, you know, that initial Tez and, and I'm just going to stop. Um, I think uh, you know, I don't know what I was doing. There probably was some amount of like pandemic related, just like <laughs> depression slash, you know, o- overwhelm that I, I just kind of like put that on the back burner, but yeah, it's great to be back into it. It's so fun. It's, it's really invigorating for me. Like, I actually feel like I've got like, I don't know, a second wind of sorts. Like, you know, I'm not super young and I've had a long career and, you know, I'm pretty subtle. I have a married, I have kids, but this has been this like really fun, new, exciting world um, where I learn something basically every day and mm-hmm. see beautiful stuff every day. So yeah, it's, it's really been um, uh, exciting and, uh, and I think really good for me in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And what does Club NFT actually do? So that's a good question. Um, Basically, we're a club for NFT collectors. And the way that we approach it is sort of threefold. We want to help protect collectors, educate collectors, and at some point soon help collectors discover new works, um, new works that actually appeal to them versus just like, you know, here's the latest thing that a marketplace is trying to shill at you. So on the protect side, we have this download uh, backup tool that we've rolled out in beta form for ETH um, wallets. Mm-hmm. We're going to be rolling out one for Tez wallets very, very soon. So stay tuned if you signed up for the beta. Um, that's I coming am. hopefully within the next yeah, couple sure. of weeks. I don't know. Real close. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then the, on the educate side, we're working on some educational courseware just about all the various things you should do to protect yourself, whether it's, you know, um, having like, you know, hot wallet, cold wallet, um, you know, all of these various sort of things around, um, NFT collecting that you should be aware of, uh, and hopefully doing this like content in a fun and, you know, accessible way. Um, Art Gnome and my brother are doing those videos. And then of course, I think, I hope a lot of folks have heard about right click save, which is our, um, wonderful editorial site. Um, I've learned quite a bit from the articles on Right Click Save. I love when their new articles are released. I feel like I'm always learning new things and we're really trying to bring a critical eye to this world and offer it the same respect that the sort of quote traditional art world has um, and bring in a lot of voices. You know, I love that Monk Anthony um, wrote that spectacular piece for us. He's a member of the community. You know, he's not an academic. He's not, you know, um, he's just someone who had an idea and came to us and we were like, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. So, um, yeah, so that's that arm, educate arm. He's really good. And and then discovery is something that uh, down the road we uh, are planning to implement. So I can't talk too much about that. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing I saw when I came into this world is if I didn't have Jason to kind of hold my hand and like Art Gnome is probably like the best possible guide to this world. Like, you know, it is hard to find things that you like. Um, and once you find some things that you like, um, 
you know, finding other collectors or other artists that sort of maybe have your same taste. Um, you know, it takes a lot of work, like to sort of find that. And if you don't have the time to hang around on Discord or on Twitter or whatever, um, you know, it might be nice to have something that, you know, uses algorithms and things to surface some of these things for you. So that that's kind of a, another um, path that we want to try to provide for collectors. So I hope that answers your question. That was a little long. It, it does, but. actually. It's pretty good to know this because, first of all, I actually didn't know that this tool was coming. And that's pretty mm -hmm. good. Um, yeah, we're super protected. excited. I mean, a bunch of us on the team collect in Ted, so we're really all personally very invested in that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, and and yeah, I think that is a is a community that you know is pretty um, pumped for this. So yeah, stay tuned. I, mean, <laughs> I collect on that, both Eve and Ted, yeah. and so it might make sense for me to get it from both Eve and Ted. It, it sure does. Yeah, I mean. Oh, you know. for sure. The, the beta sign-up tool has places for um, ETH and TES addresses, so you can put them both in there and, you know, you'll get two separate, um, you know, zip files with your, your ETH NFTs and your um, and your TES NFTs. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's smart. That's good. I, okay, I'm excited about that. All right, so I'm officially excited. And I'm also excited <laughs> to see your, like, discovery, this Discover tool. This seems like a pretty good idea. I mean... But it also raises a lot of questions. It does. How, how do you just, do that? Yeah, I mean, you know... <laughs> We kind of, what we do this somewhat over like this cure this curated thing over at Tinder, right? That's something like what right. we do. And then with FX Hash offering up like uh curated concept thing. That's yeah, coming. but but these are like all made by human beings. Like the FX right. and the yeah. FX Hash front page yeah. being completely yeah. random. Yeah. So this is like a whole another shit another thing basically yeah this is yeah. different yeah that that's discovery. that's what we're sort of trying that's what we're sort of having all of our smart engineers work on is is there a way to um make this more automated um like and have it be still helpful you know um so luckily we've got a lot a lot of smart people i am not um at all tech savvy so like i'm not even going to pretend to try to tell you how this could be done but um i'm told <laughs> it's possible <laughs> I believe it's possible. I mean, I, yeah. I, I can see, like, I, I kind of had this idea at one point about that. Like, as soon as someone starts to figure out what people tend to look at more often, mm -hmm. it's kind of like Spotify yeah. in some way. You can just start hey, using exactly. these, you know, these things. Yep. Not saying that Spotify is very good at it, but... Right. For some time they were. Yeah, for, for some, a while, before mm -hmm. there was too much. You know, mm -hmm. like whenever yeah. it was smaller, it kind of made it a little bit. Now there's a lot. And so instead, it just sort of like aggregates the top part of that a lot. And you never get to those other reaches. It's pretty difficult to get to them. You have to kind of find those like really niche playlists that Spotify tends to build, you know, to yeah. find the, to get right. further out of on, on it. You know, you can get like a little bit on the edge, but those genuine edge cases are really like hard to come across. And sometimes those genuine edge cases are where the most interesting shit is, right? And That's so, true. I mean, we are an edge case. Well, boy, are we. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, last week I was having a conversation with a, a curator friend of mine who lives around the corner here. And she works at one of the one of the bigger museums here in the city. And I said to her, um, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing these things. And she was like, I love what your program has in your gallery. I'm glad you're not doing all this dumb technology <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, actually, and then I started to explain it to her and she was just like, and she was like, 
what the hell are you showing? Are you planning to show monkeys in your space? And I was like, oh no, no, this is much further than the monkey thing, you know? And she was like, she was like, that just sounds, I don't know. I like the visceralness. And I was like, there's, there's a viscerality to this as well. You just mm -hmm. have to sort of get into it, you know, and you have to find like where you're at. And, and she was just like, oh, I, I, I'm not very interested. And I kind of brought up to her that maybe if I sat down and showed her some stuff that she might be, you know, she might go a little bit further because I can point to monks writing, first mm -hmm. of all, and that can really help. And then also like kind of get go a little bit deeper and start showing her like Vera and, you know, start Vera Molinar and start showing her Malevich. You know, like there's a lot that we could be showing that she could, you know, that she could kind of yep. like maybe start finding it, it interesting in the art historical context. But she, you know, she just some, somehow just became kind of, I, I think a lot of people inside of the museum world are scared of yep. this. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a fear of this. And, yep. you know, people love to throw rocks at things that they're afraid of or don't know. And, 100%. you know, and I think that that's kind of where we, where we find the differences here. But wasn't this also yeah. in like the... Wasn't there like a study made that like the funny guys then made a thread about? Yeah. Basically, 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 essentially the same thing. Like the collectors, they are sort of into it. Yeah. They want to see. They want to like type a foot into it, into the water. Yeah. But like the curators, they do not want to. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I went to Pom I went to Pompidou and I went to a big conference at Pompidou about mm -hmm. what's next in art, and I did not know. I did not expect it to be all about NFTs. I thought it was going to have some NFT con connection. I figured that there was going to be a little bit, but literally every talk from every major museum that was there and every major gallery and everybody that was there was, it was purely about what? Yeah. It was purely about wow. NFTs. And I was just, and it was like how every major museum is building an NFT collection. First of all, second of all, how they're making fractionalized versions of mm -hmm. their work in order to sell some of their stuff. And like, you know, there, and I was like, whoa, this is insane. And like, you know, I kind of got a little bit wrapped up in it. And I went to another one uh, shortly thereafter and I listened and I, and there mm -hmm. was, and it was also all about NFTs. And so, <laughs> I mean, I think that the traditional world is beginning to take notice in a lot, in a lot deeper way than people understand. I mean, you know, how I got into it was like, you know, I had a collector come and ask me, what do you know about this? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> I don't know anything about it. I'm not. I'm not interested in that. Because mm -hmm. all, all I'd known about was like CryptoPunks previous to that point. And he was like, "Oh no, dude, you need to. You need to take a deeper step. Yeah, yeah. you need to go. You need to take the next step." And I still, like, so I did. I, you know, I saw someone post on Twitter once, and I feel bad. I'm not like attributing because I don't know. I don't remember who it was, but uh, they were like, you know, if you ever are trying to, you know, convince someone that there's real art in NFTs you know, send them five or 10 Tez and show them how to use FX hash. And like, mm. you will have a cover. And I honestly think it's true. I mean, once people see, you know, the quality of work and, you know, the um, just really exciting stuff, both from an aesthetic perspective and from a technological perspective that these artists are doing and how like relatively cheap it is compared to like, you know, yeah. buying uh -huh. physical art, you know, and things like that. Um, I think it's very easy to, to get into it. There are these technological hurdles and stuff, right? Um, that I think hopefully the, the ecosystem will, will start making a little easier uh, for people to, to get in. But I, I just think it's like, you know, it's as simple as like a few Tez and, and getting someone in the right place um, to collect some cool stuff. And then, you know, if, if there's someone who's into art, 
And if there's someone who's into art and technology, like done, you know, they're going to be hooked. Yeah. And on the museum thing, like, I really do think, you know, they're going to be slow about it, right? Museums are slow moving institutions. Sure, that's but, their thing. <laughs> you know, a couple weeks back, I saw a job posting at MoMA for a Web3 associate, right? And as well. it, yeah. It, yeah, it's clear that they know that this is something they need to look into, right? Like um, something that they need to get smart on and that they don't have sort of the internal knowledge. And I think more and more museums, if they're not already doing something like that, will be doing something similar. Because at a certain point, they can't ignore this, right? Like they, mm -hmm. they have, I'm sure collectors and artists are starting to, yeah. to say to them, hey, you know, what are you guys doing about this? Like, well, you know, and, and they need to have answers. So, yeah, I think it's just going to um, like kind of snowball from there is my, you know, not financial advice type prediction. <laughs> well, I can tell you that they've got one of the guys at that conference, he they have built they're building a Starknet um, chain specifically for museums. And so like this chain will specifically be meant specifically to host museum a, a blockchain that hosts the museums and will be running using starkware and awesome. like so like because the way that starknet is built is mm -hmm. it's built as a layer two and then they're mm -hmm. and then they're building layer threes on top of starkware that are you know because they're completely evm equivalent right and yep. and so not compatible but actually equivalent and so various places disney um, mm -hmm. is building one on via this and so i mean lots of plate i think apple is also doing it on on, on starknet and so yeah. this is like and i know the guy was talking about like their entire thing is based on using starkware to um to build it like a layer three four museums so it's it's a it's a fascinating <laughs> it is, it's, it is. It's, it's, we're, this where we are you know, five to ten years away from really seeing a lot of this be completely implemented. But you know, once it once it starts to happen, it's just going to be seamless, and we won't even notice that it happened. You know, and now with what Coinbase is launching beta on their yeah. NFT, and but that's more like a social social me social media platform. I feel like what? there's like yeah, there's like comments and everything. I haven't been there. Yeah, I've uh, to be honest, like uh, I've just uh, I've, I just saw screenshots. Mm -hmm. But it's pretty much like a, more like a normie thing. I think it makes sense in well, a way. It's supposed to be a normie thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it makes sense. If, if like all of the normal users just know Instagram and like comments, then it makes sense to post like your NFT and then have your friends comment on it. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think in, in essence, it will just be trash talking instead of like... Absolutely. That's what I think it's going to break down to. It's kind of why I'm, I've been against the idea of people adding comments to stuff because you're going to it's going to be trash talking and straight shilling. You know, it's yeah. going to be like, yep. oh, this is my my moonbird is better than your whatever the hell you have. You know, like it's yeah. whatever is minting in that week. <laughs> right. right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. But I mean, I, how, but yeah, I do think we're just at the start of, of sort of like this becoming, uh, you know, a, a huge force within the more mainstream art world. Um, and, you know, I, I part of me just loves that I'm sort of, I feel like I'm on the cutting edge of something, you know, mm -hmm. like, uh, I, you know, I, I still feel like I'm late, but I'm definitely early in the bigger picture, right? And I think yeah. digital ownership in so many different forms is going to become more and more the way of the world, particularly, you know, young folks, like everything's digital for them, right? You know, I say as I yeah. like shake my cane. Um, <laughs> you kids thing. get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly, get off my lawn. But, you know, they, they're digital natives and, and like to them, it, like of course it makes sense that you would own digital art and you would have like yeah. digital 
property and all of these different things. So, you know, I, I think it's tough for some of the folks who are, you know, been in the art world for 30 years or whatever to get their heads around it. But as the newer curators and the newer artists are coming up, it's, it's just, you know, it's just going to become more and more natural for them. Uh huh. And at Club NFT, do you guys have any plans to, uh, I mean, have you tried to leverage your relationships in the traditional art world to bring people th- via Club NFT and Right Click Slaves? Right Click yeah, Slaves. Yeah, yeah, sure. Definitely. Right Click Save has, you know, um, done a number of partnerships and has a number of partnerships in progress, you know, um, uh, with different sort of like, quote, uh, traditional art institutions, including like Sotheby's and, and things like that. Um, and I think we're going to continue to do that. I mean, I, I don't think we need to actually work very hard to, to bring um, places like that into the fold because they're already they already have their, you know, um, they already know that this is something that um, that they want to be in. Um, and in terms of museums and things like that, you know, right now we're, we're really focused on collectors, but um, you know, I think as museums start collecting NFTs, yeah, sure. I feel like we will uh, hopefully be a good resource for them as well. Um, but uh, I think we're a little ways from seeing that happening on a big scale is my, my bet. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. just a lot of complexity around that, including, you know, like if uh, the way that museums get a lot of their, their works, their new acquisitions is by gift um, from donors and, you know, gifting an NFT, what are the tax implications, you know, that, there are things that sort of need to be sorted out, um, particularly, you know, uh, just a few around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I told a story on waiting to be signed once about how. Yeah, true. this this uh, gifting situation actually kind of goes down very often, and I feel sometimes that that you know here for example in my space you know some of the guys that um, show here and and work with me here and do stuff here they're in major museums all over Europe and the United States and some of them have like talked to me about how their work got there mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and like and I'm always just like yeah this NFT thing is gonna just change all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for I mean, sure. Well, there's such a um, behind the scenes, um, you know, very, very uh, secretive way that that happens in the traditional art world, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, often when you Blockchain know, fixes that. a gallery is is trying is you know picking who to sell a work to. Uh, if that person, that collector, offers to you know. Um, make it a gift or a promise gift to a museum, they might be allowed to buy the piece or buy two pieces versus if they don't, then sorry, you know, you can't. So there, there are all these, uh, sort of complicated things and, um, and it all, you know, a lot of it is who, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. It, whereas in this world, you know, it's guess you wars. Can just buy the thing. Yeah. It's guess <laughs> wars. <laughs> pick your poison, pick your poison. But yeah, it's, it's, I do like the transparency of this world and, and it's such a, an adjustment to get used to like, you know, being able to see like, Oh, I saw Ken like sold this thing for this many Tez just now on the sales feed, you know, like yeah. in the, traditional art world like you have no idea what anyone paid for anything you know oh, like know. <laughs> um or even that someone bought something or sold something like it's all super yeah. mysterious yeah. um so I, I think that that transparency is actually good um in a lot of ways and and for the artists for sure i just love 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 that they get uh, a percentage of royalties i like when i was in the art world that was always one of the things that really bothered me that 
you know, an up and coming artist sells something and then five years later they blow up and it sells at auction and like they don't see any of that upside. So um, for me, that's like been a huge um, selling point. Of I mean, that's actually slightly different in the European system in that the European system. Right. Is a little I'm bit speaking of, from yeah, the U.S. perspective where like it, it doesn't happen. But I know in, in Europe yeah. there, it, there it, is it a protection. There is a protection oh, nice. and, and there is like a but it's still it's a much it's very it's very small. Yeah. The royalty protection here is much smaller than it is an NFT concept anyway. But I mean, yeah, that's what helps. I mean, this generational wealth concept is really fantastic, right? I mean, you've got this thing where now every single time that somebody, you know, sells this, that, mm -hmm. that person gets it. And this is what's interesting about what FX Hash yeah, has done. I was, I was about to say, yeah. like the Minter royalty. Like, that is that, such yeah, a weird yeah. thing. But I like it. I like, do too. I like in, in the beginning, like I know there were some doubts about it, like helping potentially bots, which yeah. first of all, like ever since 1.0, like I have not seen much, like bots, for sure they are out there, but not in the like bigger Dude, way. Dude, what do you mean? Did you really? not look at the way that the gas wars on freaking Ryan? Yeah, but, it, yeah, that, but is, is that, that, is that bot. only, is that only bots? Or is that, that was all like, of us? That was no, that was like a one bot network had like really ah oh, damn. There was one in there that like had <laughs> that was you know gassing fifteen mm -hmm. or something like this, and it had like oh. x amount of oh. failed transactions across mm. a bunch of different wallets. And NFT biker posted mm -hmm. it, and he was just like, "Hey, check this out." Ah, that was yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah. Uh, I take that one back. But still, minting but royalties. But it's helped. No, but it has. Yeah. This this has yeah. helped. No, it really has. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. one point has has cut down on the bots considerably i think mm -hmm. it's now it's created a weird al list but you know that's a whole nother game you yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. But again rather have this game than than fighting against bots yeah uh, but yeah. again yeah. like all of this i think you can always always see it as like stepping stones to like sure becoming yeah. the right thing Definitely. i mean again like we said before this oh, is ahead. all just jumping you know this is all we're just trying to figure out what we have no idea it's you just like yeah. hey there's some water get in it let's try let's try it out for a shark yeah yeah you you yeah i mean we're figuring it out as we go along and that's actually i think what makes it really fun and exciting right and like i i love that next hash like that you guys are so responsive to things and that you really you know very quickly try to change things or make updates when like there's an issue or you know when something can um be addressed because you know without that user experience and people trying it out and, and seeing what works and what doesn't work you know um you don't know what to build this is a whole new landscape right so yeah. um i think i think the iterative nature and like you know taking in community feedback and and being part of the community and really seeing what's going on um you know you guys have been like so reactive and and i just think it's great i'm, I'm so bullish on the platform because I, i do feel like there's a there's just a lot of um good thought and consideration that, that you guys are putting into things. So yeah, I thank I mean, you. I mean, for that. thank you, first of all. But yeah, like Cypher, <laughs> what, what, what he what, what he thinks about this and like his future plans, that's crazy. Like also like yeah. like the curation yeah. part of it, like basically yeah. enable, enabling collector collectors to also become curators. Then also oh, wow. like curator mint, basically through, then you will be able to mint through, uh, through like the cur curated um yeah curated plat not platforms but curated sets of each collector and then there's also like a minting royalty like for the curator wow. like all of that like the, you can go really crazy with it because essentially yeah. like, it's just smart contracts once you've built it like yeah it's fine and right. yeah there, there's like there's so much it will be so 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 fun uh and so much more to come so um, many years worth of thinking here <laughs> yeah i mean it's yeah. clear that cypher had like one of the most interesting concepts of 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 all yeah i mean you know like back to it 
Snowfro had a pretty good idea. Yeah. Right. And but Snowfro built a walled garden, yeah. and then he, and and that kind of like made people have something to work towards, which was interesting, mm-hmm. and it opened up the floodgates over time because the market started to catch up to it. Right. But then that walled garden got the the walls got too high for. for very yeah, people. I mean, look at me. Yeah. I, I, I I wanted to mint on art blocks. Like I, yeah. I, that was like top one goal, but like couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, that's how it yeah. goes. You know, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, I mean, and like you know, for me, I mean, I'm, I have a couple of art blocks pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I've, I've sold a couple of art blocks pieces, and I've I'm I'm constantly on the lookout for art blocks pieces, but I don't really like pay as close attention to that as much as I do to what's mm-hmm. going on in FX hash because at FX hash, it, it's just much more vibrant and it's much mm-hmm. more like, it, you know, you have these really weird out of nowhere moves that you know mm-hmm. that, that pop up. Where on art blocks, it's not really out of nowhere anymore. Yeah, you know in, in advance what you will get. Exactly. Yeah, you have a pretty right. good idea. That's- yeah, that's one of the things that's so cool about FX Hash is, you know, you have maybe this group of uh, like more established artists and like, you know, um, you know, sort of when they're dropping something like you're excited and it's probably going to be great. But there's also these people that just pop up out of nowhere and like do these really great works, you know, and, yeah. you know, just the like you said, the vibrancy of that, that 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 a new person can come in and do something spectacular and, you know, just sort of surprise people like that's incredible you know and the art blocks you, you know that doesn't happen that's not their model yeah i know i mean the playground is kind of an is, is similar ish but, but don't you still have to apply you still have to yeah, apply I think yeah you still apply right. yeah yeah, yeah I, th- I think when i'm trying to explain like the the logic or that idea behind fx hash i always say cypher basically built the platform that he would have wanted yeah. uh, to have himself totally. as an artist yeah totally and i think that's like a perfect analogy and and then in essence like right now we are focusing m- much more on the artist part to yeah. like get that one right and then in the future it will be like the focus will be on the collector's part mm-hmm. like really building the platform that each collector would like to have i mean the good thing is is that tender exists because tender kind of is already building what the yeah, collectors sure. you know kind yeah. of want you yeah. know and deca makes really great galleries for people to be able to go through and and you know like the new freestyle version of the galleries is amazing I still, I, I always, I, I keep pushing my Decker gallery away, but I really, really need to do it. I know, I have to get into it again. I made a, made a couple of ones, and then they dropped the freestyle one, and it made the my new one just look like junk. I was like, okay, this is crap, oh. i got to rethink. So. <laughs> I haven't done it. I'm too lazy. It seems like too much work. I, I look at people's, and they look incredible, and like I have a little moment of, like where I'm like, oh, man, I, I should but do it's that. it's so much and fun. I, I like I had so much fun during my on cyber gallery. Yeah. Like when I did that, yeah. I was I was feeling like a curator myself. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it didn't, and, but I think, like Jason said recently on one of the things, who curates the curators? You know, yeah. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good question. The hive you know, mind. Yeah, the hive right. mind. If everyone's a curator, then how do you? Yeah, you know, then where are you? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's cool. Like, I mean, I think that that's totally, I think that that's okay. I mean, to be yeah. perfectly honest, like Pixel Shard really pushed his DECA gallery to a place that I have not seen a DECA gallery go. Mm-hmm. And like, I was really, I, I'm really into it. He's put like, 
you put a lot of effort into building the way that the backgrounds work and putting the images over them and then building the palettes across it. It's Ooh, really nice. nice. So you can get a really good view on how Pixel Shard came to the conclusion to use these particular color mm -hmm. groupings and what they are and the mm -hmm. images that are within that color grouping. It really, I mean, really fantastic. He did a really great job. And you can do that with like, you know, your contras and mm -hmm. you know your rgbs and you can break it down how why you collect specific things or not that you didn't just mint but ones yeah. that you collected you know and so it's i meant it mostly i think i just minted mine you just minted yours yeah. all of your rgbs yes no 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 i i, I bought one I, I bought like one of my now my only last black one with like the the, the black um the triangle. best one um yeah um i bought that for 15 tests I am RGB less, but you know, someday hashtag goals, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm RGB less myself. Boo. <laughs> whiskey? Yeah, but you got whiskey. <laughs> I don't even drink. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes it like, uh, yeah. It makes it even better. Huh? I said the whiskey takes the edge off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. yeah. So whenever you're collecting, Danielle, what is the, like, if you're buying specifically for, for your collection and you're not minting and whatnot, what are you, what are you looking for whenever you're, when you're going for it? Is it, is it about the artist? Is it about the piece itself? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's a combination of both. I definitely, you know, I don't buy off the secondary a lot. Um, and when I do, it's usually, um, based on the artist, you know, an artist that I like, an artist that, you know, maybe I've collected other of their works. And I'm, so I'm trying to build up like a nice little collection of their work. Um, mm -hmm. So for example, um, I have a nice little grouping of Lisa Orth works. Um, I just really like her. I like her style. I just think that she's pretty incredible. Um, and so, you know, within her different works, I'm looking for something that is like visually appealing to me. But um, you know, I just believe in her and will probably buy and mint, you know, anything she does if I can afford to. Mm -hmm. So there, there is that side to things. Um, and yeah, and I think, you know, looking at whether I feel like an artist has sort of like a cohesive um, vision slash, you know, uh, potential to keep growing. Uh, and that's sort of a hard thing to put your finger on, right? And we're all trying to guess at that. But, sure. um, you know, looking at what they've done already and um, reading about their process, if they if they talk about that in interviews and things like that, or if they post, you know, works in progress and, and things like that, um, all of that sort of feeds into my decision making. But um, yeah, a lot of it is just going with my gut of what I what I really love. You know, I don't, I don't really buy speculatively. Um, uh, I sort of, you know, want to make sure anything I buy, I'm happy to keep. That say that said, I do have to sell things sometimes just to be right. able to keep buying. But um, you know, I don't have an infinite ability to keep purchasing Tez. So um, yeah, do, do you have an end game? Sorry, what? Do you have an end game? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I feel like I could just go on forever, um, which, you know, might put me in like marriage counseling with my husband, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't like have any intention of cashing out. I mean, would I cash out if something, you know, something in my collection became like some huge, huge, you know, million dollars. Um, yeah. Like, would I then sell that so I could like support my family? Sure. But, you know, in terms of just like, cashing out altogether and just like not having uh, an amazing collection of generative art. Like, no, I don't see myself doing that. Um, I think, 
it's it's fun and and if nothing else it's sort of like you know uh, a hobby for me that I, I i really enjoy and i enjoy the people that i've met along the way and that i you know that i chat with about these things um so i can't really see like you know myself ending i i may have to you know ebb and flow uh as you know life and and finances you know get in the way but yeah i don't really have an end game i just i'm along for the ride at this point Okay. So like if you, but whenever you're collecting, do you, are you collecting to, in order to, to keep, do you have like a, like a goal? Like, okay, I collect this because I'm going to put this on the wall. I'm, I'm collecting this one because I feel like in the long run, this thing's going to have more value. I'm, I'm, I'm collecting this one because I like things that are purple. Um, yeah. like, is this, I, I, yeah, I think I, I think I, I have a little bit of all of that, right? Like some right. of them, I think, yeah, this would look great on the wall. That's what I haven't printed anything yet. Mm -hmm. um, definitely some things I think, oh, I think this is this artist is is gonna you know do great things and I wanna sort of be in on them early. Um, I have weirdly a bunch of purple things and there was like this whole Twitter thing around that yeah, because I, I posted it was funny. purple mint and everybody was like, oh my gosh, you love purple. And purple isn't actually my favorite color. I like purple. Blue is my favorite color if anyone's looking to like, you know, uh, gift me things. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I actually just randomly like went on this weird like minting thing for like a period of a few weeks where like every mint I was getting had purple in it. So yeah. I just thought that was kind of interesting and I was posting it and then everybody was like, look at this purple thing. And some very sweet artists were like sending me purple things and, and I love it and that's great. But just for the record, it's actually not my favorite color. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I think I think it's all of those things. And, and really, um, yeah, I've also started looking more at like and again, I'm not a I'm not a coder, so this is all kind of based on what I read and when I talk with other people who have more um, insight into the code. I, I also have been considering more recently, like how innovative is this? Like how how interesting is this and different from other things that are out there in terms yeah. of the the technological and code aspect? Which you know, on my very long to do list, I have learned to code because I actually think. I would be able to um, be a better collector if I had some basic fundamental understanding of this stuff. So, um, yeah, that's something I'm I'm trying to look at uh, more. But of course, I need people to sort of guide me on that. You can you can watch the lecture that that like professor from like the Hong Kong University uh, did yesterday. He like published yeah. everything, which I think yep. was like another like really cool thing. So for those of you that yeah. don't know. Like yesterday, like no, like two days ago, like FX hash opened for like I think forty eight hours, yeah. thirty six hours, um, because like a like a lecturer at Hong Kong at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology just did a, a course on like programming generative art, and basically the the, the students they like did minted projects and actually some of them minted out like super fun. Wow! Yeah, and like all, and like all of those basically all of those um, like resources. I think uh, like we we retweeted them as well, yeah. so they are out in the yeah, open. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that video for sure. I actually I liked it or retweeted it, and I was uh, like, oh, I gotta watch that later because I I do I want to learn more about that side, you know. And people, you know, Trinity was kind enough to like you know forward me some resources, you know, where to learn to code, and you know I. I don't know if I'll when I'll get around to that, but but watching a video or two, like I definitely can do because I think yeah, it is important. This is digital art, right? It's important to try to have some like fundamental understanding of of how some of these things um, are created. Yeah. So hey, we've got to wrap it up. Um, oh no, this has been so fun. It has, right? But, <laughs> but you know, forever. But me and Paul, you know, we've got to go. Uh, <laughs> You know, hobnob with Abosh, you know, and that's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's our thing for the evening. <laughs> a big 
art things to do We've got real, over there. You know, real trad art stuff. I mean, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> real, real NFTs. Hey, but before we get moving, I want to ask you one quick last question. So okay. where do you see yourself in this world in five years? Wow. That's a good question. I mean, in my ideal dream world, you know, Club NFT will uh, have grown and, you know, be a real home for collectors in whatever shape or form that takes. You know, we're starting out with the sort of like protection and discovery and, and education and, and RCS. And I feel like it could become, you know, even bigger um, in terms of just being a place where people can can come and um you know, have a community, also learn about this world and, um, you know, have things recommended to them that, you know, help weave through. Because, I mean, there's so many marketplaces. There's like so many NFTs. It, it's And it's only, I think, going to get bigger. And so like somewhere where there's like a little bit of a, a more manageable um, guide to this world is what I think and hope the company will grow into. And hopefully I'll still be there. Um, cool. And then in terms of me personally, you know, I just want to keep collecting. Like I, I don't have some, you know, hope that, oh, in five years, I'm going to like some of the stuff I own is going to be like worth a ton of money and I'm going to cash out and like I'll retire. If that happened, like super great, Fantastic. you know, but, mm -hmm. um, but like I wouldn't turn that down, but um, I just want to keep enjoying the art and keep um, su supporting the artists like and, and getting to know folks, you know, especially during the pandemic when, you know, I wasn't meeting anybody in real life. It's been so great to, I will say make friends yeah, with uh, other collectors and artists who live all around the world. You know, um, there's no, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, and, you know, particularly since I'm like living in this small town now, it gives me this, you know, international uh, sort Absolutely. of reach. Absolutely. cool people that are interested in similar things. So yeah, I, I hope to keep doing it. And who knows, you know, since we're kind of on the early side, maybe we'll all be like foremost experts and we'll be like on speaking <laughs> That's the, the world hope. in five years. That's what we're <laughs> hoping for. Paul's already, Paul's already doing his like fancy speaking tours, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. maybe that's where we'll all be, or maybe we'll just still be on Tinder, like you know, messaging each other at weird hours. Perfect, perfect. Cool. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot for being a part of the show. Yeah. We've really enjoyed it. It was a great conversation, uh, and thank you for having. Uh, thanks for coming on and being here, and thanks for being here, Paul. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was yeah, a blast. Absolutely. This is so fun, you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Okay. No, I was just ending the show there because we had to get off right. the air. Oh.